2: And welcome to a very special episode of Candare, your tribute to comics in pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, the very talented actor and possibly one of the nicest guys on the face of this planet. <laughs> Brought to life Billy Butcherson in Hocus Pocus, the Silver Surfer in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, the Fawn and Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth, and Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies, actor Doug Jones. Thanks so much for being back with us, Doug.
3: Hey, well, thank you guys for having me. This is a, a nice treat today.
2: Yeah, a treat for us as well. It's <laughs> going to be awesome. Before we uh, turn our attention to Doug and talk to what he's been up to uh, since we last spoke with him all the way back in 2013, doesn't seem like that long ago. I guess it really wasn't, but uh, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's... Three years. Heavens. <laughs> You've done a lot in that three years, my friend.
3: <laughs> well, I don't want to boast. <laughs>
2: But before we do that, we're going to jump into a very special retro round table where we're going to be talking just Christmas in general. Uh, we're going to be talking our favorite Christmas traditions, favorite Christmas, either movies or TV specials, songs, and uh, favorite gifts as a child. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So let's just dive right into it with this week's retro round table.
1: Yeah. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my god! Oh. Happy birthday, Papa! Oh, thirsty for more. Merry Christmas, General full! Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new
4: year.
2: All right, guys, where should we uh, start?
0: I'd like to say I'm excited to do this retro because at some point it becomes very fashionable to dislike Christmas. You reach a certain age and all your friends are like, Christmas, that's baby stuff. (laughs) I love Christmas. I totally always have. I don't see it changing. Maybe when I've got kids of my own and I've got to
3: shell out money for presents and such. But right now,
0: I'm just kind of stoked to talk about it in a positive way.
3: Right. What about you, Doug? You big fan of Christmas? Oh my goodness! It is my favorite holiday bar none, and uh, <laughs> and and not only not only the it's for kids uh, uh, thing, but but it seems trendy and cool to be like oh it's so commercialized. I just hate Christmas, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, yeah. that, and that's half the fun of it for me.
2: That's <laughs> the truth. Last year was a very Star Wars Christmas with uh, Episode yeah, Christmas Seven was, or oh,
3: Eight. Oh. Right
2: I, I succumb to it uh, Look around the room There's tons of Star Wars <laughs> merch Around here but, Of course Of course Well let's just Dive right in With family traditions Who'd like to go first Doug do you have Any Christmas traditions That uh, you and your Family do
3: well, uh, oddly enough, when I was coming up in in Indiana, when I was growing up in Indianapolis, my uh, uh, the Jones family um, did the basics, uh, you know, putting up a tree, having presents on Christmas morning. Uh, we were a uh, very Christian family, grew up in a church, so uh, so we do the the New Year's or the Christmas Eve service the night before. Oh yeah, and uh, so uh, the candlelight service on Christmas Eve is one of my favorite things ever to do. Um, when they uh, when they uh, pass out the candles and then you you uh, you light yours from the person next to you so every the, the one flame starts the entire congregation on fire basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, I remember holding and, and I it's been it had been it been years since I'd done that um, a, a candlelight Christmas Eve service until a couple years ago we uh, Mrs. Laurie and I went to a church out here in California and they were actually having one of these candlelight services again for Christmas you know like, oh i haven't done that since i was a kid oh oh so I remember, now, mind you, both my parents have passed away, right? My mom died about three years ago. So that's still fresh enough, and here I'm holding this candle, and I had this this complete flashback, standing next to my mother, holding a candle, singing Silent Night, and we were doing the exact same thing. I'm in the same pose with a candle in my hand, singing Silent Night uh, on Christmas Eve, and I just got overcome with the blubbers. I I became a mess. So so that's a tradition that, that actually came back to haunt me in a very, very happy way.
2: You know, you just had a, made a million memories rush back to me. We did the same thing growing up. I had totally forgotten about that. I haven't done that in years. Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> of course. What about you, Jack? We didn't really
4: do. I mean, we the the family got together. You either went to one of my two aunts' house on Christmas Eve, and then we did Christmas in the morning at home, and then the family would come to our house for Christmas dinner. Uh, My grandma, she would always make mincemeat pies. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, my God. My mom get me
0: started. Yeah. My
4: mom, (laughs) she... Well, my grandma's been... She passed away probably about 12 years ago, so those haven't been around for a while. And last year, year, the year before, my mom decided to dig in and make them. Did she? Oh, my God, yeah. Bringing the tradition back to life. Oh, yeah. I had to... To stop myself from eating them all <laughs> <I'm> Trying <laughs> to make up for lost time Pretty much
2: It's the one time of year you're allowed to get away with something like that yeah, yeah. So dang yeah. <laughs> mm. How are you,
0: Jakey? For me, it's, uh, you know, there's actually kind of a baking tradition in my family On my mom's side From my mom to my great-grandmother Great-great and so on down the line uh, We always have coffee cake for breakfast on Christmas Day
5: mm. ah. Early make
0: the coffee cake mm. Yeah I swear to God, it, it's almost better than the presents sometimes. When you, you've barely slept at all, you need that brown, sugary, molten mess to keep you alive Light, for the right. next few hours, you know?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, something that, that really stuck with me is I, I went to a Catholic school when I was younger, and every Christmas, um, the different classes and different grades would mingle together, and we gather into these groups and sing carols, just around, like, even around town and stuff. Mm. And that's when I got really, really. I, I'm, I'm like nostalgically obsessed with like the old classic, sort of hymn style Christmas songs. In particular, there's that one. I don't know if it's got a proper name, but it's "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen." Mm-hmm. The lyrics yeah. to that effect. That one always hits me. As soon as I hear that, it takes me ten, twelve, fifteen years back. And right. I'm, stuck in elementary school again but it's mariah
2: carey's no i want
0: (laughs) no actually in fact the opposite of that
2: (laughs) i love how music can do that you can just hear a song or just a few notes of a song and it just shoots you years back it's 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 amazing
0: like a shot Mm -hmm. of nostalgia right to the brain (laughs) right
2: well man my uh my little tradition thing here seems kind of stupid next to all your guys's but uh (laughs) not that we have anything we uh we you know make sure we do every year. But uh one thing that always happens every year is it gets turned to T B S where we all know there's twenty four to forty eight hour marathon of the Christmas oh, story. Yeah. 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 And, you know, every year it's a great movie. We sit and watch it. But the one thing that always stands out is just how my family, myself included, will sit there and point out parts of movie of the movie to other people in the room <laughs> like we're seeing it for the first time. Like, watch yeah. this. The Buffetts' dogs are going to come in right here, you know? You guys remember The Lamp?
5: I remember. <laughs> <seriously. laughs>
2: Well, since we already touched on movies, what about favorite Christmas movies or TV specials? Dougie, what about you?
3: Well, I think uh, uh, the nostalgic one uh, is White Christmas, uh, Bing Crosby and the gang. Mm, yeah, uh, you can't beat uh, that. Right. That would be something that my parents were like all crazy about when we were watching on TV when it would, you know, back in back in when I was a kid. now I grew up in the 60s, mind you, the 60s and 70s. So we didn't have home video. You couldn't just pop a movie in whenever you wanted to at home. You had to wait for it to air on network television, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so when White Christmas was on, we gathered around and like made sure we were at the right time. And ah, and Betty. Uh, but even more recently, uh, Love Actually is is one that I oh, that I just that is yeah. such a good what movie a cast. Is it? You know. Oh and, yeah. Right, so that, that that's an every year one for me now.
2: Yeah, that has uh, picked up with Brooke and I. We we watch that one every year too. It
0: took me a long time to finally see it. I think I was put off by the title, I was just like Ugh. I know, Ooh. right? <laughs> you know?
2: Who's in it? Everybody. Man, everybody!
4: All the in like it.
0: heavy hitters from British
3: movies and stuff. Every year go to
2: oh, it's There's it's like, I don't know six seven years old maybe. Is it? I'll have to
3: look. Yeah, but but uh, you're right. Yeah, uh, Hugh Hugh uh, uh, to, uh, to Grant. Oh, yeah, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant Grant the big I, 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 Emma Thompson. Um, uh, uh, is it Keira Knightley? Uh, yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yes. Bill Nye. Yeah. Who's probably Nighy my favorite? Was hilarious. And, uh, yeah. 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 The cast is huge and, and very ensemble-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You just see d- so many different angles of love all happening in different uh, situations to different people all around the world. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard to mm-hmm. be cynical watching that. Movie. Oh, it's. Such I've Yeah. Tried. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By you, Jack? We uh, read,
4: well, it's not a movie, but Rudolph. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. I remember Jeez. going for a few cool. years without seeing that and then watched it when I was, it was probably mid teens, and it was only a half hour long. And being a kid, you don't. No, you know you have no concept of time. It's funny
2: you say that because when you're a kid, it seems like it's so much longer. And yeah. yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. You
4: grow up, and all of a sudden, half hour later, you're like, oh, it's over. I it was right. a lot longer.
2: Like, like so much more of my day left. Yeah. Than I <laughs> well, it's like Doug was saying. You know, when we were kids, we just caught it on TV. We didn't have it on VHS and DVD, so it was stretched out with commercials uh, yeah. and uh, everything. And yeah. <laughs> right. But then uh, Scrooged and Christmas Vacation, or the Mustads
4: every year. Christmas here. Vacation. <laughs> Scrooge is a hard one to catch, but Christmas Vacation
2: every year. I think Scrooge is on Netflix now, Is it? Yeah, I think so. That was
0: a good one. Love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I got, it's, it's, the big one has always been A Christmas Carol for me, but like mm. specifically my favorite one is the one with uh, George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, yeah. He's got that gruffness about him that, I mean, if you've ever seen any movie with George C. Scott, He's gruff. That's his, you know. That's
3: his thing. Yeah, that's his stick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's he's oh he's so perfect for it though, and his attitude. He's he's very much snarkier, I think, than a lot of other Scrooges that are just like blunt and rude. He he laughs at his own horrid jokes. You know that he <laughs> makes. Oh, it's fantastic. But I tell you what, my favorite so far in recent memory, Christmas movie experience. I was flipping through Netflix a couple years ago, me and my roommates, and uh, we saw this crummy, low-budget Christmas movie, because you get a whole slew of them every year. It was called A Christmas Puppy. By the way, had nothing to do with a dog. Not sure where they got the title. <laughs> but we were curious, and so we just we put it on, and we fast-forwarded to a random point in the film just to see what it was all about, and I'll never forget this. This will follow me to the grave. We hit play after fast-forwarding. The screen fades in. There's a grown man in an elf costume sitting in a bed, he looks at his hands and sighs very, very heavily, then puts his head in his hand, and the screen fades to black. We paused it right there, because that was the perfect cross-section of that movie. This elf person who just can't cope with what life's thrown at him and just gives in, in that movie. Yeah. I will never forget that.
3: So did you ever
0: see the rest of the movie? No, I couldn't bring myself to do it. It was just too perfect. I didn't want to spoil. I couldn't have context connected to that moment.
3: It sounds like the Christmas puppy died. It must have, right? (laughs) I mean, that's
0: the only logical thing. Oh, it was such a, just a perfect moment.
2: You mentioned the Christmas carol. There's been so many different uh, incarnations of that. Didn't Patrick Stewart do that one year? I feel like there's one out there with Patrick Stewart.
0: I can't remember it specifically, but I, I, it seems like there would be.
2: Hmm. I will have to look into that and see him doing it. I love him; he's Wasn't awesome.
0: It, was it Michael Caine in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol? Yes. Yeah, that's another. It certainly one. was. That's the greatest.
2: I hate how quick I jumped on that. Yep, yep, that was <laughs> him. Yep. Uh,
0: yes, sir. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was his three hundred and seventeenth film uh, filmed in. <laughs>
2: well, it's not so much Michael Caine, but more the Muppets. Oh, sure. There. <laughs> 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 Speaking of Muppet-like characters, when I was uh, trying to think of a movie or a special to think of, one kept coming to mind that I hadn't seen in years, and I had to pull it up on the internet and watch it again because it'd been so long. Don't laugh at me, but the now Al- you're
0: priming me to laugh. <laughs> yeah, I know
2: <laughs> you're going to laugh. So, the Elf Christmas special. Any <laughs> does anyone here remember that? No.
0: Now, mm-hmm. Alf
2: was, you know if, if Oh, he does, Alf,
0: I thought you said oh, Elf Alf. Christmas
2: No, Alf, A-L-F, uh, Alien <laughs> okay. Life Form You know, the Gordon Shumway Gordon Shumway, lived with the Willie Tanner <laughs> oh. Yeah Well, you know, the show was very lighthearted And just, just a comedy, you know, from front to back Every every episode But this one, it was an hour long And it was pretty darn heavy for for <laughs> Alf, you know but it starts with the family going out uh, to a cabin out in the woods, no power or anything, a place where Willie had spent Christmases growing up. And he wanted to take his family there to experience Christmas, the perfect Christmas. And they had taken Alf, who hasn't, you know, being from another planet, this being his first Christmas on Earth, he doesn't get the concept of Alf, or of Christmas, excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, instead of bringing in Holly and Ivy, he brings in what he thinks is uh, Holly and Ivy, turns out to be Poison Oak, gets, <laughs> gets the family all itching and scratching, tears through all the gifts, not knowing, you know, the purpose of them, and gets Willie so mad, he throws him out. He said, get out of here, you know, we're sick of you. So... He stows away in this, uh, this guy's truck, who is on his way to the hospital to deliver uh, toys to sick children. So he has to pose as a toy, not to give up his cover and, you know, be taken into wherever, Area 51 or wherever. Right. You take an alien when you right. find one. Mm. But, the refinery
0: um, where they render them down into <laughs> fossil fuels. <laughs> the elf rendering factory, <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a horrible thing for Christmas <laughs> <is terrible>. episode.
0: <laughs> We've lost our way, everybody. <laughs> but no. he ends up
2: uh, being given to a, a little girl, a little girl named Tiffany. Who this is her last Christmas. She's a dying little girl, and uh, there ends up being a little touching moment there with them. And, uh, you know, on his way out of the hospital, then ends up uh, being stuck in an elevator with a woman in labor, giving birth to this new child coming into the world and, you know, convinces her to name this child Tiffany, the the same name of the dying girl. But, oh, yeah, uh, to get out of the hospital, he stows away in this, uh, this guy's truck again. And this guy ends up parking on a bridge. He's an old man who's just lost his wife a few weeks earlier. And he parks on the bridge, he gets out, and he's about to jump. And oh, come on. I know. I couldn't believe, like, how heavy this was. Especially, wouldn't you call, like, Alf aimed at children more than anything? Yeah.
0: I mean, anything where you've got that kind of puppetry is a big draw, right. you'd think.
2: But, uh, you know, Alf gets out and, you know, has a very nice talk with this guy, talking him off the ledge, you know, that there's very kind of wonderful life kind of thing sure. happening. But, uh... It's just funny, because that, that little silly special from that little silly alien has uh, really left a mark on me, and it, all these years later, still resonates. It's funny.
0: It sounds like a traumatic mark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's the only TV special, I mean, aside from Rudolph and those that's, no, that sure. have really stuck with yeah, me yeah, all I mean, these I years later, but... And you mm-hmm. can see why. Oh, sure. All right. But, all right, anyway. <laughs> Enough movies. <laughs> what about songs? Any uh, favorite Christmas songs, Dougie?
3: Ah, well, well... I, I oh so many I, I love uh, I, I love the radio stations that play nothing but Christmas music for the entire month you know yeah. right. <laughs> so I can't get enough but, uh, but the one the one CD that I still have that I pop in every year that is the inaugural Christmas album for me uh, is Mariah Carey's first one, which is called "Merry Christmas." I know. Now, I know this sounds like a 56 year old man should know better, but <laughs> uh, but I, I've had that that particular album for I don't know whenever the first year it came out. As I was a fan of hers. And uh, and girl can sing. Okay, come on now. That she can.
0: That she can. I apologize for my earlier statement.
3: (laughs) I am am contrite. Uh, Go sit in the corner, dude. Oh, jeez. Sure. Of course, the popular uh, tune uh, that gets all the radio play from that album was uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but the, but it's her version of Oh Holy Night that will that will bring me to, to my knees every time yeah she, really? uh, she wails and it, it has a big finish and like so it makes me want to go yes <laughs> Christmas yeah that's right that's
2: right
0: that song though All I Want for Christmas is You it if I had a nickel for every time somebody told me that, I
2: mean... <laughs> Get over yourself, Jake. Get over yourself. I'd have a couple of nickels. <laughs> but no, <I'm> that... Gum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not the good stuff, either. Not like Orbit. It'd be like Wrigley's... Oh, Sucking Jack,
2: drugstore gum that's been there for like
0: ten years. Tiny yeah. box of chiclets.
2: There you are. But no, that, that song really... Uh, Speaking of songs with catchy hooks, I mean, that song right. you can hear over and over, and it just brings you in. And you you had mentioned Love Actually earlier. They do right. a cover of that song in that they movie. They sure do. That's really good. That, that was a good soundtrack, too,
0: the soundtrack to Love Actually. Oh, so good. With Bill Nighy's I can feel it in my fingers. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That Brian Carey <laughs> song is probably ever. one of the... I I was just doing another line from the song. He he, he had to throw Christmas into that song, the word Christmas, and it didn't really fit. Right.
4: (laughs) That Mariah Carey song is probably one of the the best original Christmas songs that have been come out for a while, I think. That's yeah. a good point,
0: yeah. because every year you get the new truckload of original Christmas mm-hmm. songs that really don't do anything new, despite not having been a predefined configuration of words. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. I
2: discovered that to be a musician, the pinnacle is to get a successful Christmas song, because if you do, like Mariah Carey, you I mean, know... it has got
0: to mean you're comfortable, right? Well... Like,
2: that one song is going to play year after, <laughs> yeah. year, after, after year after year. After year. That's yeah, right, That's exactly. Right. And what was the movie? Uh, I think it was another Hugh Grant movie about a boy, where he's mm. living off of his uh, the royalties of the, his father's Christmas song. Years later, his father's been dead for years. I've seen that. It was a good movie. It was a good
0: movie.
2: I like Hugh Grant, everybody likes Hugh Grant. Well, come on, well, of of no. Hugh Grant. <laughs> <You're right>. Yeah. <laughs> Man, now I'm thinking of Hugh Grant movies here Music and lyrics,
0: that was another good one I love music and lyrics, yeah Oh, I love that movie, yeah I I can't forgive him for being so effortlessly charming That makes me mad Every time a new person I become aware of That's just like cool all the time Like, oh great, must be fun for you
2: We're gonna have to title this episode Guilty Pleasures, I think (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jack?
4: The Alabama Christmas album we used to listen to that boy, constantly. Year boy. that was, I guess that was a tradition too. Actually, really, yeah. We man, listened to that thing front and back all through the season. I've I never could heard it. Sing every song, and not every. I don't. I want to say they're all original too. All Are original they? Original songs, yeah. It was.
2: It's amazing. They didn't do it. any covers on there. Not that I can remember now. No, that's 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 big right there. Yeah. I think. Have any of them become standards though? That I maybe I have heard doing. any for a
4: no. long time. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Poor Alabama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They tried, (laughs) right? (laughs) How about you, Jakey? All right, this is perhaps the most sacred Christmas tradition of my family. Mm -hmm. I'm almost nervous to speak of it, lest they find out I'm spreading it, but we have a Christmas album, Dean Martin's
3: Christmas Mm -hmm.
0: album, Yeah, that is the single most important thing for the Christmas season in my family. I'm not joking when I say we've made copies of the disc and the original is in a safe because we can't we can't find it anywhere anymore i swear we must have the last surviving copy but to me christmas is dino it's dean martin when he starts singing the christmas season has begun specifically that song Mm -hmm. about baby it's cold outside where he's Mm -hmm, like convincing mm -hmm. the girl to stay in with him which sounds a little aggressive in retrospect (laughs) (laughs) nowadays (laughs) right but it's such an Awesome song, and it just oh, every time it's just it's comfort. It's like stepping into a warm bath. Now that I've said that, I kind of regret it because I think that's what Hannibal says when he stabs his friend. But <laughs> always <laughs> but back it's to still the very comforting.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just yeah. it's it's perfect. That album to me is Christmas, and mm-hmm. there's, there's a copy for me, a copy for my sister, and then I assume no more copies until the end of days.
2: That combination mm-hmm. of that safe's going to be
0: forgotten one of these days.
2: Mm. Well, then that's when we bring out the explosives. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned ex- uh, uh, Christmas songs that... What was the word you just used? Aggressive? Aggressive, <laughs> yes. Another one that kind of comes to mind that falls in that same vein that I think kind of goes unnoticed uh, would be I Saw Mommy Kissing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that would lead to uh, extreme domestic violence. You know, you know? there's
0: a, there's a debate that rages in my family. Is it about the literal... You know Santa Claus, like she's kissing Santa Claus right now, or is he seeing his parents? He or she seeing their parents putting the trees under the table? Perhaps one of them is dressed like Santa Claus. That's all. That's what I always interpreted as. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, parents.
2: That's all. Oh boy. Don't I feel stupid? See, well, no. There was a there was a time
0: I was convinced it was the first one. I couldn't reconcile that thought. I'm like, Santa Claus is destroying this kid's family. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, he's coming between his parents. That's not a merry but, Christmas. But
3: it, it, it does kind of beg the question, though. Uh, if if the little boy was supposed to be in bed, uh, uh, then why would Dad take the trouble and the time to dress mm. up as Santa Claus? Uh, to, to you know, put, to, to put presents under the tree and whatnot. A very uh, valid point. Unless, unless mom and dad were into something a little candy. <laughs> <laughs> so really,
0: even the innocent solution to this problem isn't so innocent. There's, no, you can't I win with understand. that
2: trick. Well, at least Doug's got my back. I can't say that for you guys. Here.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Christmas songs for me. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, and this is going to be very cliche: the Chipmunks' Christmas song. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we absolutely. Love it, that, that was an album I had uh, growing up The actual vinyl record yep. And played the living hell out of it till it wouldn't play anymore And since we're going down the, uh, the way of guilty, ple- or guilty pleasures <laughs> here Another kind of tradition we had growing up was <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this The Raffi Christmas album You guys know who Raffi is? Not oh. off the top of my head No, Doug, what about you?
3: Never heard of the Raffi Christmas album
0: You ever heard of Raffi
2: in general, anyone? No No,
0: no. Oh wow I think you're off the hook with this one Wow,
2: I might be There might be listeners going Wow, you dork uh, We're going to see our
0: downloads drop After this episode eh?
2: He just recorded a lot of uh, children's albums uh, Through the 70s and 80s oh. And he, there was a Christmas album that uh, Every year we would go to the library There were the spindles with the vinyl records on it We'd pull it <laughs> yeah. off, go home and listen to it So anytime I hear that, uh, yeah But one of my uh, most favorite songs As of recently has been uh, The Billy West Christmas song Billy West <laughs> yeah. being the uh, guy who Provided the voice for Fry uh, The Professor, Zoidberg. Zoidberg and Futurama He's the voice of uh, the Red Eminem uh, Who else? <laughs> He's been the, voice, isn't to you the voice of all
0: things. Ren and
2: Stimpy, he was yeah, the voice yeah. of. Oh. But uh, we were looking at getting him on the show, and when it seemed like it was going to happen, we started doing some research and found in 2004 he had an album out called uh, Me Pod by Billy Grief and the Grief. Excuse it. me, Billy West and the Grief Counselors. <laughs> And uh, it's just called "I Wasn't Broke for Christmas Time This Year," and it is a freaking good song. It's just about him playing his guitar on the street to raise some money to be able to buy his family the gifts he wants to get them. And you know, even if you're not crazy about the premise, it's Philip J. Fry singing a Christmas song. You know, so
0: hard to argue with that.
2: Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know about. I'll put it at the end of the episode. Actually, there we go. Yeah, cool. yeah, so uh, you get to hear that. Very cool. Okay. Well, what about favorite gifts as a child? I'm I'm excited for this one. What about you, Dougie?
3: Well, yeah, boy, well, this is this is so reminiscent now. Uh, I, um, now, mind uh, you, I, 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 this is back to the '60s. Uh, my parents were very, very conservative when it came to spending money. So uh, uh, Christmas, we had we had a. your main gift was you had a $10 limit to to tell them what you wanted and it had to fall within a $10 range, right? Right. (laughs) So it doesn't sound like much now, but it bought more back then. Sure, sure. I had a fascination with ice skating. I'd seen it on TV when the Olympics ran, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to, uh, how to ice skate. That wasn't the hockey kind of skating. I wanted to do the artsy kind, of course, because I'm Doug Jones. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I wanted to know, uh, you, know uh, uh, you know, and I had a fantasy of, of doing, you know, c- couples figure skating at some point where I could fall in love with a girl on the ice, right? Uh, but I didn't have any skates. And so this I mean, this is like a Hallmark channel movie. like the, I, <laughs> I, I, I want my first pair of ice skates, Mother. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now see so what my my mom was not much of a of a get in the car and go to the mall and shop shop shop. Uh, the, the, what she would rather do is have us pull out the Sears catalog and uh, and she would order things, and they would just show up in the mail, right? Right. So, so the Sears catalog was a big, thick thing, it, and the Sears catalog was anything under the sun. It, it would, so I looked in the sporting goods section and found this beautiful picture of a pair of black men's figure skates, and I was like, "Oh!" And they were nine ninety five. Yes, <laughs> oh,
2: right <laughs> under the limit.
3: Perfect. And uh, so I, uh, I remember telling mom, "That's it." I pointed to the picture and yes. And so for the entire month of December, when I would come home from school before Christmas break happened. I would come home from school with being haunted by that image, and I would have to go back to get the Sears catalog back out of my mom's bedroom and open it up to that page and just gaze upon my face that I didn't have yet, right? And so, of course, Christmas Day came and that box was the right shape and it was them. And it was like the smell of the leather and the "Ah, uh, ah, I will never (laughs) forget that pair of skates and what that did for me. And I I did, by the way, and then I went went skating every she then took me skating uh, every Tuesday after school uh, for the entire winter. And um, and I learned how to uh, skate backwards, go on one foot. I even was spinning by the end of it. You know, it was it was really a lovely Hallmark Channel movie in the making. You made good use of them. I did. I did, I did.
2: <laughs> that is freaking cool. That's awesome. And you mentioned the Sears catalog. I mean, even yes. in the 80s, we we had I remember those, yeah. Well, you could kill somebody with the size mm-hmm. of that book. I mean, it was it was right. thicker than like the Bible
3: is. It was big. <laughs> it was a big book. And but, be honest, be honest with me now. Did you linger at the ladies' lingerie section?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already uh, mentioned Raffi here, so <laughs> hey, why not? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But uh, no, the toy section in the back was oh my! I can't. How many countless hours my sister and I would just sit on our stomachs on the living room floor yes. flipping through the Sears and the service merchandise uh, catalogs Uh, just dreaming of what could be Mm -hmm. you guys ever have that we got Uh, to the point where the toys r us catalog for me Mm -hmm.
4: after a few years my sister and i would cut up what we wanted out of the the thing
0: and put it on a piece of paper
2: oh really Mm -hmm. just putting (laughs) it everywhere your parents are going to (laughs) be don't forget don't forget
0: what about you jack Sorry to interrupt, but I know we left this behind. But if the story of the figure skates was a Hallmark movie, it would have to be called Figure Eights, right? Just like a nice, gentle look at you. I'm sorry, that came to mind, and I (laughs) felt like I couldn't let it slide in the
3: wrong line of work. Here, this guy (laughs) is call up Hallmark. Love it. it. Okay, we'll get to writing.
4: No, you Jack coming out the living room mm-hmm. and looking under the tree and seeing the uh castle gray skull sitting oh, uh, oh,
5: oh, that boy. thing
4: was so freaking amazing and I he I did. don't ever remember asking for it but I had almost every other he-man there was so
2: and I love that TV show oh yeah I mean a child in the 80s how could you not and it was huge too yeah it was it probably was like,
4: like three foot tall something like that and when it opened up it was Well, it wasn't six foot, I guess. (laughs) No. Well, I mean,
2: when you're a child, it seems that way. But I I went over to my buddy's house within the past couple years, and he had picked one up at a toy store just, you know, for fun. And I was like, man, I remember this thing being enormous, like (laughs) feeling like I could get into it myself. But, uh,
0: yeah, it was a lot smaller than I (laughs) remember. Man, what a good toy, though. Jakey? All right. I've got, I, I remember when I got this toy, it was called Rad. It was this remote controlled robot. It stood probably about two feet tall, had tank like treads. Uh, Its arms uh, were articulate, it could grasp things with its hands. But Mm. the coolest part was it had this dart launching Gatling gun in its chest. This and sounds like Jake. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> this thing chewed up batteries like you can't even imagine. I think every action it took drained like a double A or something. But <laughs> when I saw this thing, my brain, my little child mind, couldn't conceive of anything that cool. Like it just it blew my brain right out of my skull. I was gone. Right. And I think I spent more time with this thing. And any friend I've had since, <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs> I spent so long learning how to maneuver it so that it could like grab things for me and bring them to my bed to the point where it would take, you know, five, six times as long having him do it than me get up and do it. But the novelty of it and uh, the thing that really got me in trouble more than once is that the uh, the the signal from the controller could reach through the different floors of my house. Oh, man. So he'd be in the living room or the basement or something, and I'd be in my room. I'd just be like, if I fired off a couple darts right now, (laughs) I wonder what I'd hit. Uh, Don't let me spoil the ending for you, but it was my sister every time. (laughs) And, uh, oh, man, that was incredible, though. And I remember they didn't even wrap it, because they were just like, okay, we want to see this one. Right Right off the bat, this thing, this big gleaming... White robot With the giant cannon In its chest Just guarding all the gifts I'm like yeah <laughs> This is it This is I thought
2: you were gonna say You sent it through the house To get the uh, lingerie section To the Sears catalog <laughs> But
0: nah, I wasn't that clutter
2: <laughs> uh. Man uh, I had the same kind of experience With my favorite toy Uh I tried to think of a different one from the one I mentioned last year, but it always comes back to Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin. Ruxpin. <laughs> <laughs> always comes back to Teddy Ruxpin. He was nothing short of magical <laughs> to you as a child in the 80s. I mean, you, there are so many toys, like Jake, say saying, you know, Rat who's shooting darts while running around the house, tormenting your sister. Teddy just sat there and stared straight ahead, and his mouth just moved. But the wonder that came from that little bear, that... And it amazes me, all he had in him was a tape recorder and this thing, like you're saying, eating up batteries took <laughs> like 10 D batteries or something. <laughs> but just sitting there, opening a storybook, reading a story as he tells it to you, singing songs with him. He's. I still have him, he's right inside that closet there. I will never get rid of that bear, I love that thing They'll to have dad. to
0: bury him with you. They just might. Like a pharaoh or something, Oh, well, your well, possessions.
2: Well, it's <laughs> funny, because my my mom uh, wanted a, like a, a one of, me and my sister's favorite uh, stuffed toys as a child to take uh, with her when she moved, <clears throat> and she said, "I want Teddy rocks I was like, "No, nope, you can <laughs> you can have anything else you want. No but dice, Ma. Teddy stays right here with me, and he doesn't really work anymore." And I even thought about tearing him down to try to get him to work again, no way. but. I don't think I could do it. I'm not that clever. Yeah, and to it and then be real mad at
4: yeah. It.
5: Yeah.
2: I just have a bare skeleton. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, no
0: thank you. <laughs> Five Night at Freddy's type. Yeah. In there. That's too horror movie <laughs> premise to even mess with.
2: Oh, man. This has been a lot of fun talking Christmas. So many things just come back that I didn't even think about.
0: Hearing about your Teddy Ruck's been this nice, wholesome gift that, like, had a big positive impact on your life, mm-hmm. I just realized... I'm that jerk in every B Christmas movie that gets like the mean-spirited, dangerous toys and shows them off to the other kids. Like, look at my robot; it shoots darts. I can I can pinch my dog with it. And you've got this nice teddy bear. <laughs> I got beat up a lot as a character. You know, I... <laughs> yeah, but you're the character that like learns something and becomes a better person.
2: You, you actually look right here, and I did not intend this. I had no intention. Right here
0: is that no Teddy Ruxpin, Ruxpin cassette tape wow. from the Christmas
2: uh, store book right here on the desk didn't mean for that to happen boy I'm it's a, a Christmas miracle <laughs> right. and on that sad note we'll just end this little <laughs> oh, segment <Jesus. laughs> but this has been a lot of fun uh, again so many the Sears catalog uh, the candlelight uh, thing at church on Christmas Eve things I had totally forgotten about but man man I love I love trips down oh, memory yeah. lane it's, it's an important no. thing
0: to me the whole season so yeah
2: I'm glad. well I'm glad this was successful yeah Awesome. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to the amazing Doug Jones.
3: Thanks for being with us again, Doug. Well, I thank you for having me. This has been such a different, different type of interview so far. <laughs> I hope you mean that in a good way. That's a good way. It's refreshing to... Uh... To talk about real life things that real people do.
2: Yeah, now we're going to talk about uh, the things that you do that maybe aren't so real life.
3: <laughs> now we can touch on the fantastical, yes.
2: <laughs> so when we last talked to you in 2013, I think uh, Falling Skies was entering its last season. Uh,
3: right. Second season, I think it was. Second season. Uh, let yeah. if I was involved, it was, um, I, uh, I was on season three, four, and five. Oh, boy, uh, am I I be- on. Yeah. So- yeah, so in 2013, uh, I think it was the summer that uh, season three that I might was which was my first season on the show would have just been in the middle of airing. I think I was out there during the summertime. I think in, in 2013, it was or, in May. Or, there you go. So maybe maybe that that season hadn't started airing yet. It was a summer. It was a summer show on TNT.
2: Okay, I was way off so, then. It was 2014
4: <laughs> that year. We started the show in October. Of 2013. Oh, you're right. So it was May
3: 2014. Yeah. Well, there Come you go on. then. I, yeah. So so uh, season four was about to start airing. There you go.
2: Okay, I
4: was, so,
3: I was my, close. You know, my character uh, was the the nice alien co-cheese on the show, <laughs> and um, I and uh, great time so we yeah then the, we knew going into season five that it was going to be our last one, and so that ended up airing last summer, uh, twenty fifteen, and uh, they, so the writers were able to bring us to a rousing close, and you know, and so we, so we had a an ending to the series that was actually it was finally explained why the alien invasion in the first place, and you know. So you got the wah-wah-wah-wah that we're all (laughs) looking, waiting for. It was a good ending, though, the way they ended it.
4: It it wrapped everything up. It didn't kind of disappoint you. And, and, for and me it, been, at
3: least, I, and I was happy with that we that we were left on an up note. You know, with, yeah, with hope exactly. Easter, as opposed to because you know they could have done anything. It's it's so edgy now to end things bleak and and hopeless. You know, get
0: right. so, one of those Twin Peaks endings just where everything's a, gone all to hell. And a big question <laughs> where you're <laughs> just like,
4: well, what happened? Then you have you're left asking all kinds of questions. Yes, you got to live
0: you. your life wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks right. for watching, folks. Right, right, right. After five
3: years, they couldn't do that to the. I, I'm glad they. <laughs>
2: Well, another thing that you uh, were getting into, I think, shortly after we had talked to you, was your uh, your portrayal of Deathbolt in uh, Arrow and Flash. How was that for yeah. you? Well,
3: that great fun! Oh my gosh! Well, uh, so yes, I, I got this this crazy call to come come into. Uh, the, yeah, I, I was introduced at, on Arrow as um, a, a DC Comics villain that I'd never heard of before. Deathbolt. I had to look him up. Um, and, uh, and so I was introduced on arrow and then crossed over to the flash where they killed me off, Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, which is funny because, uh, uh the arrow, uh, I was at comic con later that summer and, um, in San Diego and one of the writers for, for arrow came up to me at, at an after party. Uh, and she's like, Doug, hi, you don't may not remember me. I'm so-and-so from, you know, the, one of the writers from arrow. And we were just, I just want to tell you, we were so excited to write for you and to continue you and bring you back on the show again you know, to recur and when the flash borrowed you and killed you off we were so pissed off <laughs> <laughs> which flash made me wonder like, yeah that seems kind of rude to borrow a character for, that was created on another show and kill him right <laughs> so, it's like when you
0: lend your favorite toy to a friend and they break it
5: you know right, right.
0: What it felt, that's what they
3: felt like, which is very sweet to be that toy. Yes,
4: I know. I was upset because all of a sudden there's a big action scene, and then Doug gets frozen to death, and that was it.
2: it just seemed kind of out of there was no like big build up too. No. It was just like psst.
3: somebody oh, was late for Oh my for god, lunch. what happened? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But, but but between between an episode of each of those shows, I got to meet and work with you know the entire cast of both of them. It was really great fun for me. They they're just such great people. And, uh, Steve Amell is great. And, uh, and, uh, uh, on the flash, Oh, what's, what's his name again? The kid that plays flash, um, Grant Gustin, Grant, Grant Gustin. Yeah. Yeah. Great, 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 Everybody's so happy and, 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 uh, happy to be alive. And, you know, it's, it's when you guest star on a TV show, it's easy to feel like the, the, the guest who's late to the party kind of a thing, like, you know, the, or the country cousin that's been invited in for, for Thanksgiving, <laughs> but, but, you know, but, uh, but you're not really a part of the family. But both of those shows were very, very inviting and and, and welcoming to me. So I I felt good.
2: Now, did you find it at all challenging playing the villain? Typically, when you see you in villain form, you're covered in makeup and prosthetics. This was just bare bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you find that
3: any more of a challenge? Well, kind of. Well, because when when you want to place, when you want to go over the top and and chew the scenery, right, uh, and be like and be a villain, <laughs> uh, it, it it gives you more excuse to to go over the top when you've got rubber on your face and you're hidden behind like some creepy mask. Uh, but when it's just you, you do take a chance that like, well, if this doesn't work or if this is too much. Uh, it's going to make me, Doug, look like a fool, right? <laughs> I'm not going to make the creature look like a fool because I'm not a creature. I, yeah, so, yeah. So you take that chance, but, uh, but I don't know. I've I've often said that when you are doing uh, once once you when you're known as the guy who wears lots of prosthetic makeups, and then the, then you get a role here and there that that doesn't have any makeup on, and you're just you're just a guy in a t-shirt. It feels like walking out of the house in a speedo, right? like I'm so exposed right now, right <laughs> I'm kind of vulnerable but uh but by the time you know but but uh, but the t- by the time you're done it's you realize oh well i it's really I was going to the pool anyway, and everyone else is in a speedo too, so we're we're fine, right. Can I get that on a t-shirt somehow? A Actually, I just need a poster of me and a speedo. I think that's all I need. We'll be waiting. I hope you make good on that.
2: Well, yeah, we'll give you the address here when we're done <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: well,
2: Now another project uh, that hasn't come out yet And I'm very curious to find out when it does Was uh, you were cast as Count Orlock in a uh, remake of the 1922
0: Nosferatu Probably my favorite film of all time Oh yeah, our boy you're yes. a big Nosferatu. fan Nosferatu, that's my thing,
3: that's what I'm all about Ugh.
2: And successfully funded on Kickstarter, was that was amazing to hear too Can you tell us more about the project?
3: Yes, uh, it, uh it completed, but not out yet. Um, and I say, when I say completed, I'm using air quotes because there, there is uh, post-production is a long process for this one. Oh, sure. Um, uh, uh, yes, we did, uh, filmed Nosferatu and I was able to play the title character, also known as Count Orlok. And, um, I, uh, it, which was a dream for me. I've been wanting to play Count Orlock for decades. Um, I've been asking in interviews for years and years, like, is there a character you haven't played yet of all the fantastical things you've been? Is there one that you haven't been able to do yet? And I've always said, a classic vampire, in black and white even. Not a sparkly one, because I'm not pretty enough, but, <laughs> I, I, you know, right, like a, a classic old-time one. Uh, yeah, but but me, and, and I was leaning toward Nosferatu because... Uh, he's hideous, and he doesn't know it. And I love that because that's kind of how I've lived my, my life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. <laughs> You're beating yourself up, Dougie. This is, where you, this is where you tell me I'm pretty. Come on, guys. So pretty. I just yeah. thought it was implied. Why do you think we want the Speedo poster here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so anyway, so this has been a, a love of mine anyway. Well, uh, uh, you know, then... The director uh, who directed this this, this remake is um, uh, David Lee Fisher. And this is my second movie with him. The first one we did back about 10 years ago, um, which is was a remake of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Which was a silent film. Yeah. Uh, and, and Caligari was from 1919, German expressionism, silent film. And it was one of the first horror films like ever, I think, uh, that had a, a killing machine in it. And that was me. I was Cesare, the, the somnambulist who did the sleepwalking and killing. Uh, and um, so what he did back then with the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was... Uh, what, he, what he called a remix. It wasn't a remake. We called it a remix because he used elements of the old film. He created backdrops off of the old movie uh, by collecting all the information digitally uh, for each scene, and then filming us on green screen and plopping us into the original film without the other actors. Uh, the old actors in there, right? Oh, right? So, so that's that's where the remix uh, title comes from. Is that uh, you're watching the old movie with new people in it, and um, and you know, with, the, with the added with the added benefit of of sound and dialogue. So, uh, so, but he stayed very, very true to the original s- story and script because uh, he just wanted, cause it, because it, because he didn't want to reimagine it. He wanted to uh, 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 make it again with, but with the added information of dialogue. So, cause you know, in old silent movies, people are shaking their hands around a lot and, and you, you, they're talking for five minutes and all of a sudden a, a dialogue card comes up that says, yes, mother. And like, right. <laughs> That's right. So, so this uh, with with the dialogue written out, it's like he 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 basically just answered questions that you might have had about the original film. It's not a re, a redo, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, so when he called, and that was a, a very successful DVD release that we had back in two thousand five, and um uh, and I think I think it's actually playing now on the YouTube in its entirety for free. If you look up the Cabinet it of is, Dr. Caligari. 2005, uh, you'll be able to see, I think you can see both of them on YouTube for free, the, the original 1919 and our 2005 version. So, with that in mind, David Lee Fisher, the same director, calls me up one day, uh, a couple years ago, and said, hey, crazy idea, if, if you don't want to do it, neither do I, but uh, would you ever want to, have you heard of the movie Nosferatu and would you want to play? I'm like, ah, have I heard of it? <laughs> so yeah, so I went nutty cakes and, uh, and, and I, I was just telling him, you know, I would practically licked his face over the phone saying, you have no idea how much I want to do this. Yeah. So it's been a dream of mine. So, so we did it with the same, he said, well, here's the deal. I want to do it with the same process we did Caligari. So it'll be a remix. We'll use the old film and put you in it. And he said, uh, "But technology is 10 years better now." And uh, and with that Kickstarter campaign, we had a we had a, more of a budget than we, than we did on the first movie. Uh, so um, and we also had some private investors that kicked in as well. And uh, so it was uh, it was really a very very sweet uh, movie shoot. And I was also able to. Pull in uh, the leading lady of the of the movie, um, w- which is the object of Nosratu's desire, uh, the, the young lady that I wanted to suck blood out of, um, <laughs> is played by is played by Sarah Carter, who was also on Falling Skies with me, oh, nice. and uh, because I, I knew her well enough to know that her intensity and her, that she would get she would get what we were doing, uh, I had her meet David Lee Fisher, and they hit it off, and she's now my co star in the movie. So I'm really really just uh, more excited about this one than I've been about anything for quite a while. Yeah.
2: And as far as a release date, is anything uh, in canon for when that's coming out?
3: Isn't that a good question? Yeah, uh, I think I think now. I think now, what David told me recently that we have a uh, has he editing and doing the visual effects is what's going to take the longest time. Uh, uh, that he's finding that we need to have a couple of shots we need to go uh, to pick up some additional photography to fill in my availability has become a problem so uh, because i just finished a movie and i'm about to start a tv series next so uh, so it's finding the right time to to get in and, and do that additional photography and keep his editing going and so I, I i owe him a phone call to figure out where we're at with all that but but we were hopeful uh, sometime in 2017 let's hope
0: Oh, I can't wait to see it. You know, I've I've used the expression, I can't wait, before. I'm starting to realize that I could wait up until this point, because this is such a perfect... (laughs) I can't even imagine a better combination of things. I I love Nosferatu. I I love German expressionism. I love Mm -hmm. the 2005 Caligari. You know, it calls to mind, like, um, uh, Giorgio Moroder's Metropolis, Is Mm. kind of not a remake, but sort of a a reimagining of certain elements, putting a personal touch Mm. on something like that. And I I just think it's all fantastic. I really can't wait to see this.
3: Thank you. No, he was a dream role for me. Thank you.
0: Don't you even have a bust of? uh, I do. Yeah, (laughs) you do. Yeah, I have a a Nosferatu bust. He's very. He holds onto my glasses for me when I'm sleeping because it's like (laughs) just the right size and shape. But I've got a little Count Orlock on my shelf, and never will I forsake him. No I oh,
3: uh, love it I love it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now you talk about this being a role that you've always dreamed of playing. that when we last spoke with you, another role you would uh, mentioned wanting to play very bad was Jack Skellington. Any Any yeah. leads into that as of yet?
3: No, no, no. That That's just been something I've been saying in interviews. I, that would be a live stage version I'd like to do if I if I because I've never done Broadway. And, and I think, you know, if if uh, that would be uh, just on my bucket list to, to be on the Broadway stage at some point. Uh, and wouldn't that be the perfect show to do if oh, it was yeah. a, a live stage version of, of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, we'd love to play Jack Skellington. But yeah, no, no advancement on that so far.
0: Ah, oh, well, that's a shame. I don't know. I feel like they need someone who has a mastery of, of body language and being able to convey their character. I'm being sarcastic. We're talking uh, to Doug Jones. I, gonna... I want to make sure the joke
3: lands. Yeah. Oh, you're not sure it's me, really? Yeah.
2: <laughs> you saw our eyebrows start
3: to raise. Like, what are you talking about? Abort. <laughs> board joke. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Doug, Doug, I get it, but it's, he needs to be tall and skinny. So.
0: <laughs> Where are we going to find this guy? <laughs>
2: Now, you had uh, mentioned just uh, finishing shooting a movie, and I'm assuming that was the uh, Shape of Water, the uh, Guillermo del Toro film, where you're going to be playing another creature of some kind. Can you uh, give us any details on this
5: movie?
3: Yes, I can wink, wink, nudge, nudge a lot on this oh one. Um, nice. Um, yeah, no, uh, The Shape of Water is, uh, uh, I, I, again, in, it's in the Nosferatu uh, bucket for me, as in, I am so excited about this movie. Um, Uh, This is Guillermo del Toro uh, going back to his more indie-feeling roots, uh, making the movie that he wanted to make uh, without a big studio telling him how to make it. Um, uh, And so, it is going to be distributed through Fox Searchlight. So, Fox Searchlight has been very, very good to him. Uh, They basically gave him the budget and backed away and let him make his movie, so I'm really excited about that. It's been a while. He he hasn't had this kind of creative freedom and this uh, uh, in a smaller scale movie since *Pan's Labyrinth*. Uh, you know, since then it was uh, you know he had been working on *The Hobbit* for a bit. He'd been working on that, *The Mountains of Madness*, and and then finally uh, *Crimson Peak* or *Pacific Rim*, and then *Crimson Peak*. Um, so and those are all big 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 right so for him to, to take a scaled back budget and and to work on a, on a film that has artistic merit and and uh, and story and heart uh, uh that's what that's what the shape of water is um it is uh, kind of a historical piece it takes place in 1963 so it has a russian cold war sort of backdrop to it politically and uh, and i am the only creature in the film it's not a sci-fi movie it's not it's not a, a horror or or um a fantasy genre film it is a slice of life history piece of history 1963 period piece uh, real life thing and i'm a real life creature that was found in the amazon river and now i'm being tested in a u.s government facility in a secret underground plant somewhere right oh, wow so with that is so it uh, uh, so with that, that's that's your backdrop and that's what's going on. So I so my character my creature is is this uh, sort of a fish man. He's he's found in the water. So yeah, and hence the name of the movie, The Shape of Water, um, uh, and the the title will come it will make sense to you once you've seen the film. Uh, but. Um, uh, with this government testing facility, the cleaning lady there is played by Sally Hawkins, and you're really seeing the entire story through her. Uh, the audience will—she's will, she's your main character of the story. So the cleaning lady at the facility. So it's kind of this underdog person who's very meek and mild and shy, and she ends up kind of falling for me uh, when she comes in to clean up around in the laboratory that I'm being tested in. So we we end up having a a, a private off the off the clock. Relationship where she comes to visit me, and uh, and so uh, her her best friend on the cleaning crew is played by Octavia Spencer. Um, our two um, lead scientists in the story, uh, the good guy scientist, is played by Michael Stuhlbarg from uh, from Boardwalk Empire, and you've got and you've got our bad scientist guy, who's our our mean bad guy of the movie, you know, kind of the nemesis who wants me dead and doesn't want to have to do this project. Uh, he is played by Michael Shannon. Oh amazing amazing and we also have and then of course uh, sally hawkins uh lives in a, a run-down apartment building and, and her her uh the the older gay neighbor uh, every movie has to have one uh, <laughs> it's played by richard jenkins who is another died in the wool amazing actor uh with decorated for many decades so we we had a stellar cast. I mean, almost everybody in the cast was Oscar nominated except for me, so uh, so I was in really really good company. And uh, and the story is uh, it's a, there there is a romance that, that develops between this cleaning lady and this creature. So it has it has it has the smackings of a classic Universal monster movie, like the creature from the Black Lagoon or or, or even King Kong, right? Where you've got like a a a monster and a, and a, and a young ingenue that are, and, and, but there's an attraction, but can love actually happen? So that there's the question that will be answered when you see the shape of water. Um, And, and it was, you know, it's really, it's such a beautiful layered story. Every character has, has such layers of, 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 of story to each one of them. And when it all comes together, it's just, uh, it's, it's Guillermo del Toro at his absolute finest. Oh man, I cannot wait! To I'm see so them. completely
0: yeah. sold. Oh, I mean, yeah. I am sold three or four words in, but to hear the rest of them,
3: I... <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. and this this will be coming out uh, in theaters uh, around this time next year. So uh, I expect it for like later in the year, like in the fall, because uh, I, I, I can guarantee you it'll be up for some Oscar consideration.
2: Oh, Fantastic! Man. You're but, gonna get your
3: Oscar, Dougie. Yeah. Well, not me, uh, everyone else. But, but uh, <laughs> no, you heard it here first. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: 2017 predictions right here on Canned
3: Air. (laughs) And in in the meantime, if if I'm I'm in promotion mode of upcoming movies, I I can tell you about what's coming up uh, the next thing you can see me in, uh, which is January 13th, Friday the 13th. um, uh, It will be the the nationwide release, uh, theatrical release of The Bye Bye Man. And in this, I play The Bye Bye Man. (laughs) So uh, that, that's a uh, more of a, of a, um, uh, you know, more of a uh, uh, horror film in its true form. Um, uh, there are some. Uh, it takes place on a uh, on a college campus with some pretty college kids, uh, and you can't have a horror film properly without the pretty college kids. Uh-oh. And. Uh, so- <laughs> So that's who i terrorize basically and um the poster you, you if you if you want to do a search out there if you go to the youtube you can see trailers for the bye bye man and uh, our the, the 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 theme or the the catchphrase the line of the promotions is don't say it don't think it don't say it don't think it don't say it don't think it A bye-bye man. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, if you say my name out loud, I will show up. Uh, And um, so, uh, so our lead actor Douglas Smith is the one. He's the college kid who makes the mistake of saying my name out loud when he reads it etched in the bottom of a drawer in the apartment rental that they're they're, the house that they're renting uh, off campus. And uh, so then, once he says it, and I I become unleashed uh, in his life, um, I'm kind of a silent villain where I show up and make you self-destruct and make you do all of the you know you seeing hallucinating things and you're not trusting your friends and then you end up turning on each other and and then once he says my name to one of his friends now they've heard it now once they've heard my name now now i can attack them as well in the same way like so i kind of start so i yeah so I, I infest this household of college kids and um and you get to carry uh, watch their story now uh, fun little little tidbits about this um We have some supporting roles that are kind of um, with high-profile actors, aside from (laughs) myself, of course. Uh, uh, But the uh, the 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 head. the police lady, the the detective that is assigned to this case to find out why where all the killing is coming from in this town, uh, played by Carrie Ann Moss from the Matrix movies, right? Wow. Yeah, and, we, and then we also have uh, and now then once Douglas Smith finally figures out that he tracks down and does some research to try find out where I come from, what my backstory is, what my leg, leg- legacy is, uh, he finds uh, he tracks down to the the widow of someone who was in, haunted by me decades ago. And that widow is the one who explains to him who the bye-bye man is without saying his name. She never heard his name, and she won't, right? <laughs> so that's why she's still alive. Uh, but, uh, but she uh, uh, is the one who gives all the backstory on me, like where I came from, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that whole, that whole scene monologue comes from the legendary Faye Dunaway. Oh, I know. Man. Right? Bonnie and Clyde, Mommy Dearest. I mean, she's, she's huge. Right. <laughs> That comes out in theaters everywhere uh, January thirteenth. So be looking oh, for awesome. the box.
2: Now you also just mentioned a, a TV show.
3: Yeah, that I can tell you absolutely nothing about. So I shouldn't have mentioned. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm going in for a makeup test for it tomorrow. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, but it's um, it'll be a, um, a it, it's it's a pretty big deal, and that's all I can tell you. Uh, um, yeah.
2: we'll just think of it as a wrapped gift under the tree we
0: have to there wait you to go open, okay a
3: little surprise there we go if it wasn't for if it wasn't for social media and and, and uh, you know and NDA's uh, non-disclosure agreements uh, you know I'd be able to tell you everything but <laughs> understood <laughs>
2: We'll just we'll open that gift a little bit later. Yeah, I'm we'll no see. good at keeping secrets. <laughs> <anyways>. <laughs> the world would know if Jake knew.
3: <laughs> sure, but I I would say be looking for casting announcements on that particular TV series um, in the Hollywood Reporter or Variety or a, a, an announcement should be made soon. I think they're they're still rounding out the series regular cast. Um, so once they get that all cast, then then we can talk all about it.
2: Wonderful. Well, I can't what wait. Could it be? <laughs> well, Doug, uh, before we cut you loose, I want to, again, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with us. But there's a, f- a couple just questions I wish I would have asked you last time we got to talk to you. And they're just kind of roundabout questions. Who are your heroes? Who do you admire? Who do you look up to? Oh,
3: wow. Wow. Um, well, let's see, uh, but, uh, you know the typical standard answer that sounds boring but but uh, my b- both my parents who have passed on now uh dad left us in 1979 when i was 18 years old he uh, had a heart attack and and was gone instantly but he was a very public figure he was a public speaker and a uh, a, a, a a politician in, in the state of indiana and um, he also started a, a non-denominational church in our living room after he left the Methodist Church. Oh. Um, and so he was kind of a leader mover shaker, type A personality who you know created things and made things happen. Um, and, and seeing him how at an early age, how he dealt with the public was a big a big influence on me. Uh, my mother uh, is, the the most shining example and the most angelic example of a christian human being on the work on the earth ever uh aside from mrs laurie of course now and um, <laughs> i gotta uh, but uh you know mom was uh, uh was was an example of, of of how uh how one is to have a relationship with god and therefore translate that into your relationship with other people uh so those are, those are my, my personal heroes and when it comes to the showbiz uh, the people who influenced me that I look up to that I kind of like uh, learned from I guess without realizing I was learning from them just watching them and being entertained by them would be like the Carol Burnetts the I love Lucy oh, cast yeah. the, yeah, sure. the uh, Dick Van Dyke uh, uh, Don Knotts who played Barney Fife right um, yeah you've got uh, you've got Bob Denver as Gilligan you've got um, uh, 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 Gomer Pyle um Jim Neighbors, right? Yeah, Jerry Lewis, Danny Kaye, anybody who was a little bit goofy on <laughs> uh, TV or film back then uh, was was kind of who, who validated me. Like, okay, so if I'm not a mainstream cool guy who's good looking and gets all the chicks, if I'm not that, there's still hope for me because these guys are making it work on film, right? right? Yes. There you go.
2: All the makings of Doug Jones and all these people right here. That's awesome. You look at
0: all of them and you have to smile.
2: Yeah, If, you if do. that's
0: not a big deal, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Well, one more question for you here. Uh, for as people aspiring to get into the field you are, ex- aspiring actors, what advice would you give them?
3: Um, first of all, I would say uh, be good at what you do before you try to sell it. So uh, most young actors, their first question is, you know, they want to know phone numbers and names of people that can help them. And, you know, well, how do I get an agent? And how do I get, you know, seen by a producer? and um, that's business talk, and that needs to come after you have a talent to sell, right? So, so, uh, and, and many many actors jump the gun. They they get that backwards, where they do, they want to get all the contacts and all the information first, and then oh, you have to have talent. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so so being good at what you do. Every actor is different. If that means acting classes for you, if that means. If that means getting out and working in the real world and uh, every actor takes things in and, and regurgitates them differently, um, whatever inspires you or, or educates you, uh, do that thing. If that means if that means uh, getting involved in student films for free, doing shorts with your friends, uh, uh, doing some little silly web series with your camera at home for YouTube, uh, uh, doing this live stage productions at your local theater, at your civic theater, your, your community theater, um, all that is, is good training ground If you, that you don't have to pay classes for or whatever whatever. But if you're a good class taker, then do that too. Um, but, uh, but once you're good at what you do, I think then, um, uh, then getting that talent in front of somebody who can do something for you. And that's where you would do a showcase for industry talent, um, industry, uh, uh, people like, like casting directors, agents, managers, that kind of thing. Um, so finding a way to do that thing in front of somebody who can help you or finance you or represent you, um, or hire you. Uh, but, but and that, that would, would not include another actor, which I get I get asked all the time by young actors. So can you put me in one of your movies? And I'm like, well, I can't put myself in my movie. Like, <laughs> like, right? So. So, uh, yeah. So it's like asking a truck driver for a truck driving job. He's not the one who <laughs> hires. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I think barking up the right tree with talent to back you up is 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 that there, there's your your, uh, your very short answer.
2: Very good. Well, Doug, this has been amazing, and I want to thank you so much for uh, spending Christmas with us. Uh, I can't think of a better person to spend Christmas with. No, Absolutely. this is great.
3: No, right, right. We 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 were holding hands around a tree and singing, weren't we? There's yes. A... Sweaters, eggnog, fire going there
2: in the corner.
0: Nine <laughs>
2: Can't you hear it? Can't you smell it? carolers outside chestnuts uh, nuts a roasting
0: standing yeah. invitation to join the runyon family for christmas one year no
3: it's a deal okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> jack what do we have on the website go
4: to candarepodcast.com where you can see show highlights guest info listen to the show follow us on all our social media visit the hall of heroes and see the wall of justice and if you'd
2: like to be a guest and promote your work send us a email on our contacts page Don't forget to find us on Twitter at AirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, Jack's been putting the shows up there, another medium to listen to us, and there's a little something to look at there while you're listening, right? Yeah, (laughs) Um, And I invite you guys to go back to uh, episodes either 29 or 115 when we first talked with Doug. I replayed the interview in episode 115 when we were uh, just getting our start interviewing people. Mm. Not that we're a season now or anything, (laughs) but... (laughs) Boy, Doug, you were awful nice to humorous in those days, so thank you so much.
3: (laughs) Oh, it was such my pleasure.
2: And uh, we're going to be taking next week off in lieu of the holiday, but uh, I'm going to be replaying an interview we did for our second Christmas episode we did with uh, the late Yvonne Craig. It was Mm. one of my all-time favorite episodes. We had a great time talking with her, so stay tuned for that next week. Uh, We'll be putting that up, and then we'll be back in 2017 with some new episodes. So, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack
5: Doherty.
0: I'm Jake Runyon. And I am
2: Doug Jones. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone.